Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. The book of Ruth. We're going to be in the book of Ruth uh, for just a little bit. And Julio and, I, I, and Andrea, Andrea, Audria. I'm going to get it right. M- Mrs. Rubio, amen. Mrs. Julio. I am so backwards right now because in my mind, you've never left. You're just right there. So uh, good to have you all back. And I know that even in these circumstances, your mama looked like she was about ready to cry uh, when she saw y'all. Well, not you. You're the son-in-law. So there you go. The book of Ruth. We're going to walk through Ruth chapter 1. And uh, so if, if we could go there, just right around the Judges. And so if you'll go uh, to the book of Judges, and then we'll get right into uh, Ruth. We're going to walk through Ruth chapter 1. And we're just going to kind of take the next couple of weeks. And we're going to look at several things from the book of Ruth that bring about um, helping us right now. All of us right now uh, can understand, and there's going to be many things throughout uh, these chapters that we're going to be able to identify with. There is a reason why the book of Ruth falls after the judges. Uh, we are coming to the end of the judges being part of the, of the uh, ruling and the reigning of how God had it set up uh, for his children And so now we come to a time, so let's just jump right into it. Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that's very important, that there was a famine in the land. So we're going to talk about that part of dealing with a famine. Dealing just with a famine. If you'll look at it, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And I think that I sent ahead a map Y'all have that map, if you could put it up. I want to show you a map of what this looked like. So when you're talking about Bethlehem of Judah, you're going to find out that when they went to sojourn in the country of Moab, uh, that here is the husband with his wife, two sons. And so they take the journey, and they, they have to go up just a little bit south of Jericho. They have to cross over the River Jordan, and then they come down, and, uh, and they go into Moab. That's a 50-mile journey, Uh, so just understand the dynamics that they went 50 miles to get to a land uh, that that had bread, it had sustenance, it, it was going to help them, they thought, in a famine. So let's keep reading. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons was Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died, also both of them, and the women was left. So if I were to ask you to just kind of isolate some words here that we're going to come back, it would be about the judges, to take note of that. It would be a famine. It would be the fact that uh, they came to the country of Moab. Look at verse number 3. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left. 
That's very important. And then all of a sudden, the two sons marry. And now, again, we come back to verse number five. And the sons die. And the Bible says, and the women, the woman was left. So all of a sudden, we're going to find out there is something happening here. So judges, uh, a famine, uh, the fact that she was left. So when you, when you think about this family walking through this, they, they move from Bethlehem, Judah, to Moab. There's been many sermons preached on this, and, and uh, there's been many times that we always say, which is untrue, that to move during a famine is wrong. The Bible does not teach that when you look at it in context of all the famines that happened in the Bible. Listen, where you move during a famine can be detrimental to your family. And should you move during a famine? There, there are Christians all over this world that are sitting places in their life and they feel like things are drying up. Things are not where they need to be. Now, in context of the book of Ruth, we also know that God takes anything that we do and he has this unique ability because he's God to work everything out right. There were 13 famines in the Bible. Genesis 12, there was the famine in Canaan in Abraham's day. Genesis 26, there was a famine in Isaac's day. In Genesis 41, there was a, a uh, famine in Jacob's day in Canaan. And then, of course, here in Ruth. And then you have uh, 2 Samuel 21, 1. Uh, there was a famine in David's day. And then 1 Kings 17 for Elijah. 2 Kings 4, Elisha. 2 Kings 6. Elisha, 2 Kings 8, Elisha, in Canaan, Samaria, back in Canaan, 2 Kings 25, there was a famine in, in Zedekiah's day in Jerusalem, Nehemiah 5 in Canaan, and then Luke chapter 15, uh, it's in an unknown land, and then Acts 11, there was a famine. Now, all of these famines were situations that caused people to do things. The problem with famines, the problem when things start drying up is the fact that somehow we use man's intellect to try to get this done. So when you walk through the book of Ruth, if you would, if, if, if you'll notice in Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 1, look at the time period, if you will. It says, now it came to pass in the days when the what, please? Judges ruled. The prophets are not ruling right now. The New Testament church with the pastors are not ruling right now. This is when the judges ruled. So what was the mindset in those days when the judges ruled? Go to Judges chapter 17 and verse number 6, if you will. Judges chapter 17 and verse number 6. And, and, and I'll just tell you and, and, and those that are going back to watch this, our leaders that are teaching going back to watch it, that, in, that if, if all of a sudden... You, you are recognizing or you're, you're saying to yourself, things are just drying up. They, 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 are, they are getting very, very, un, I'm, I'm unsettled. I'm, I'm at an unrest. I quite don't know what to do. When somebody would come in and they'll say, Pastor, I, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I feel like that God has that next for me, but I just don't know what it is then this is when we have to sit down and take the Bible and we have to walk through 
What does the Bible have to say about these things? Now, whenever I teach stuff like this, um, other pastors that would listen in and maybe other people that go to different churches listen in, they're like, oh, don't open that door. Because if you open that door, let me tell you something, God does move people. We all need to come to that grip. God does move people. And I find it very interesting. Pastors are all good about God sending people, but then they turn around and play this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and when they leave, it's like, oh, they should never have left. Hold it. The same God that can bring people is the same God that can take people, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is his church, it's not mine. And I'm just grateful for the time that people spend. And then when a pastor gets that kind of attitude, then he's a happy man. Amen? And so, y'all okay? So, so Judges chapter 1 and, and, and Judges 7, look at it. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was what, please? Right in his own eyes. Go to Judges 21, verse 25. In Judges 21, verse 25, it says the same thing, but, I, but I, I want us to read it. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I've never known anybody to say, I want to make a decision that is going to ruin my family, and I want to make a decision that's absolutely going to cost me everything. They just don't do that. When people set out, they always come to this conclusion, no, 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 I, I, I believe in my heart that this is the right move for what I need to do. Now, when somebody says that, and they, because there is no king, or there is no one in their life to help them discern this, then people step out and they'll make this kind of decision. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. In Proverbs, it's, it's, it's the famous verse that we all know. Proverbs chapter 3, in verse number 5, and verse number 6. And this is just one of about... Um, seven or eight riches of Ruth that I, that I want to pull out. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3 in verse 5, 6, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. We know this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So now we must understand that when there is a famine, when there is something going on that you're like, I, I just, I I. I don't know how to look at this. Well, I can tell you that Elimelech and, and Naomi, they were in the judge's era, and the Bible is very clear that they did that, which was what? Right in their own eyes. So there is something that says, well, hey, if there's no food in Bethlehem, Judah, then how about if we just go 50 miles down the road to Moab because they've got bread? Now, now, it's only logical that you would sit there and you would go, well, I have to take care of my family. I, I have to get them bread. And, and how many of us, myself included, maybe I'm the only one in this auditorium, that we have shouted amen when a preacher said they should never have gone. But when they were trying to make this decision, they didn't know. They truly thought that, well, you know, we're, we're, we're not going that far from where our family lives in Reuben. 
not, not realizing that, that, that Moab, that river that separated them from their family and put them in a heathen nation. But they didn't know that. They just simply said, I want to do what's right. I don't want to do what's wrong. So now you come down to this thought that, that this is why in 2022 that it's very important that when we go to make a decision that we understand if we do what is right in our own eyes, there's a difference between a judge just to help you figure out the law, if you will, and these kind of things, and a spiritual leader. Now, whenever you start talking this way, people get a little bit nervous because it's like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Here we go. Stay out of my world. You know what the role of a pastor is? The role of a pastor is found in Hebrews chapter 13. A role of any spiritual leader is found in Hebrews chapter 13 and 1 Peter. Can we look at it in context of just what's going on? Go to Hebrews chapter 13, if you will. And in a true pastor carries God's heart in, in Hebrews, if you will, uh, chapter number 13. Most people do not have a spiritual relationship with their pastor. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm just speaking from, from pure facts. And uh, look, at, look at Hebrews 13, 7. It is the most misused verses. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you, Hebrews 13, 7, the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And then if you would go down to verse number 17, and the word obey, them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. And here's the key. For they watch for your, what please, souls, as they must give account. I think that we, for so long, told people that the next move in your life out of churches like ours, the next move is to go into full-time Christian service. That's not the next move. People who go and pastor churches and people who do this profession, do this as a profession, I will tell you this, it's a God-called thing. It, 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 it's, not, it's not something you volunteer for. It's something that God reaches down and says, I, I want you. It's something the Holy Spirit does, and that's proven to us by, by the book of Acts. But there is a misnomer when it comes to, Pastor, if, if I feel like I'm in the middle of a famine, and I feel like that I just need to make this kind of move, then, then what do I do? Well, the first thing we don't want to do is lean on our own understanding. Yes, the logic, the research, all of that goes into any move that we make. But when we make a move, then that's when we circle around and we ask ourselves, who is watching for my soul? Not my pocketbook, not advancement, but for the soul. And when it comes right down to it, God gives you spiritual leaders. God gives you people. And now go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, in 1 Peter chapter 5, and if you would look at And just take a look there in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 1. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, 
taking the oversight thereof, not by, what is that word there? Not by what? Constraint. That means I have no right to march into your life and tell you what the next move is. I'm not to do it by constraint. But look, it says, but what? But willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Just in this one context means this. That as I feed God's people and as I lead God's people, I am not to do this by constraint. I am not to do this with this overwhelming feeling or, or narcissism that says that, that I need to constrain or control this. No, I am to do this willingly. If somebody walks in and they want my advice, I'm there. If somebody walks in and they want me to pray with them as they're on their journey, I am there. And one of the greatest relationships that I share with any church member, it would be this, and I'm not shy about it. It is the fact that I am your prayer partner to find out what God wants you to do based off the Bible and everything that I know about the Bible. Many times, people will come in and they'll give me what they think. They'll give me how they feel. And then what I'll say is, let me give you some biblical principles to pray about. The relationship that I covet the most is the relationship when somebody says, I'm in a famine. I am in a famine, and I don't know what to do, and I think I need to make a change. So then let's kind of walk through, if you will, because if you look at Ruth 1 and verse number 1, if we'll go back there, there was a famine in the days when the judges ruled. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, but there, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. The first thing I, I want to come to is this. There's a difference between a permanent move and a temporary relief. So now the word sojourn there simply means this. It means, okay, so you're going through a tough time. There's a famine hitting your hand. By the way, that famine can be a financial famine. It can be a geographical famine. It can be a family famine. It can be a spiritual famine. Like, for instance, Kelly and I knew we lived in the house that we were in for 27 years. When we moved in um, 27 years ago, the neighbors were our age. They were all homeowners. They all owned their own home. We brought our little kids into that neighborhood, and then all of a sudden, we went around with our little kids and our special needs son, and we introduced them to our neighbors. And to our right uh, was a lady that, that was a widow of a, of a pastor. To my left was uh, two older people, that, again, they were my age, older people uh, that, uh, that they were members of Dr. Hiles' church in Henderson. So I have either side. Across the street was Bill. He still lives there. Over to my right, everybody on that street were my age. They owned their own home. But as I grew older, then all of a sudden, the neighborhood started being bought up by people that just simply wanted rent houses. We stepped out one day. 
and a man down the street at a house that was just bought, he had taken a gun and he had shot himself and his body was laying in the street next to his car. My babies live in this neighborhood. These are my children. And, and I knew we got to move. We got to move. This is not where I want to stay. It had nothing to do with the people in the neighborhood. It's just that the violence was starting to creep in. And God made it possible that we could move. God will start doing some things. But when there's a spiritual famine, now that's a whole other kind of famine. And I think that we understand the geographical famine. I think we understand a financial famine. I think we understand a family famine. But that's spiritual famine. So now you roll into these different reasons. So now there is a famine. They are just going to sojourn. So I think it's the mindset. Are you trying to go temporarily or do you believe it's a permanent move? And when somebody comes in and says, Pastor, I, I don't know. L let me ask you, are you just talking about temporarily or do you feel like this needs to be the it? And when they start going, I, then we need to figure this out. So now let's go to the second level. Go to Genesis 41 and verse number 56. In Genesis 41 and verse number 56, there are times that in somebody's world that a famine is real. And now we have to go. We have to go. So then how do you determine that you know God is leading when it's time to go? One of the ways you know is in Genesis 46, verse 41, verse 56. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was sore in all the land. Now, the famine is all over the place, but look at Genesis 42, verse 1. Genesis chapter 42 and verse number 1. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do we look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. Look at verse 42, chapter 42, verse 3. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. When you and I are looking at a life change or some type of change that's going to be happening, we must step into it with this kind of thought. Am I trying to do a temporary because this is just temporary, or am I a permanent? Unfortunately, the family in Ruth chapter 1, they just said, we're going to go sojourn so we can get some bread, and then we're coming back. We know that that sojourning turned into how many years? Ten years. And in that decade, a lot can happen. But this famine, that's why I said at the very beginning that a lot of times we, we hear people say, if you're in a famine, don't move. This famine, God used this famine, and then God sent ahead a Savior to save them out of this famine. I know this, that when God gets ready to move somebody or God gets ready to relocate somebody, he will not do it unless there is a spiritual person at the head. He's just not going to do it. If we follow the famines throughout the Bible, and I would encourage you to look at all 13 famines in the Bible because they are 
amazing. But God knew that this famine that Joseph has gone ahead, our God could only prepare this. There's a famine in the land, but as soon as this family, the difference between the two families, as soon as Joseph's family stepped into the land, they had favor, they had bread, they lived in the land of Goshen, and where everybody else was dying, they started growing. This is how you start making these decisions. And when people come in, I'll say, all right, let's start praying. Can I ask you a question? Are you just looking for something temporary? Or are you looking for something permanent? Well, I don't know. Then we need to pray. Because prayer, and we're going to get into it here in just a moment, prayer gives us time to qualify what God's doing right now. I'm going to say that again. Prayer gives us time to qualify what God's doing right now. And I think the best use of your pastor, and I use this by permission, is what a family did about a month ago. Husband and wife came in. Said, Pastor, can we talk to you? Sure. I think, I think we're in the middle of a famine. Is it temporary or is it permanent? We don't know. And how about we begin to pray? And there's a certain day during the week that I'll call him and his wife and we'll get on the phone on a conference call and she'll pray, he'll pray, I'll pray. All right, what are we doing? I, I, I don't know yet. We are in the middle of prayer. You see, most people think the pastor wants to control their life. A good pastor doesn't want to control your life. He doesn't want to reach into your home. Do you know how many homes he'd have to reach into? I can barely control my own home. <laughs> oh, did I just say that? Anyways, uh, so, no. But the best, look, watch, look at this. This is the best use of your pastor. God, I just met with this family and your children need an answer. But when people don't use their pastor, and I'll tell you why sometimes we don't use it, because we don't believe there are pastors that exist like that. We believe every pastor is manipulating but that's why 1 Peter chapter 5, pastor, is the one that doesn't do this by constraint. By the way, decisions are not made for lucre's sake. I'm going to throw a couple of my pastor friends under the bus, <laughs> but, 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 but I tell them all the time, the only reason you're nice to that family is because they got money. You don't want to lose them because they give. But the beautiful thing about this is, is that you have to break through. So how do you do this? You know how you do this? You do this by, is it a sojourning or a permanent? And, and, and when God sends you to a land, listen, God will already have in place a structure that will help you survive that tough time. God does not lead opposite of his providing. When God leads, God steps in and provides that structure. Because these two families, the one family in Genesis chapter 42, God sent ahead the Savior. But look, in, if you will, go back to Ruth chapter 1. You, should be, you should, probably are still there. And then in Ruth chapter 1, this family 
The only thing that they said is we have a famine. Let's go to Moab. And then if you would, and here, so the first thing is the mindset. Are, are we just going to get out of a circumstance or is God trying to get us this is a permanent move? Because if we're just going to get out of a circumstance, then we'll never know if this was a God move. We're just responding to the need and to the flesh. Now, the second part of this is all of a sudden that when God begins to move in a famine, the famine in Joseph's family was used, but God sent Joseph ahead, and there was a structure already built in that was going to take care of them. Then this family had no structure because it was in Moab. And we know that the structure didn't work because of the wording of God's word. Now, we, we can go, well, pastor, we're just spiritually reading it in. I, I think that it says in the New Testament that everything back here was written for our example. That's why God put it in here. And by the way, he handpicked everything he put in there. So now, let's, if you would, look at Ruth chapter 1. Remember I said prayer gives us time to qualify? We come to Ruth chapter 1. We now come to verse number 3. And Elimelech and Naomi's husband died, and she was left and her two sons and their wives the women of Moab so the boys marry uh, number five and Malon Chilion died also both of them the woman was left with her two sons and there arose uh, verse six then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab look, look at this for she had what please heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had what please visited his people in giving them bread when somebody says there's a famine, and I get that, pastor's drying up, pastor, the job market's drying up, pastor, my family has moved away, pastor, spiritually, I just don't think I'm where it needs to be, a lot of famines, pastor, what do I do? Ma'am, sir, is this a temporary move or is this a permanent move? I, I don't know, let's go to prayer. Uh, by the way, where are you going to go? Well, I don't know. But once somebody says, that's where I think I need to go, God does not lead to some place that is not structure-oriented to take care of everybody. Because a famine was used by God to get Jacob and those boys out to get them to where they could be taken care of. It is hard for a pastor to realize that he can't help some families. That's hard. Brother man, you've pastored before. It's very difficult to know as much as I love you, I can't help you. I used this by permission about um, two months ago. One of our men came to me and said, Pastor, I just in this famine. And I said, Brother, let's pray. We prayed. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And at the end of the conclusion, it was this. I think that the pastor over yonder could better service your spiritual needs than I could. And he said, please tell me that you and I are going to stay friends. I said, it's better for you to go to where you're being spiritually fed than to stay here and spiritually die. Those words are foreign in church work. And I'm going to tell you why they're foreign. Because everybody's out for their own. Rather than understanding, God does move. And I don't know why God laid this series on my heart about eight months ago for this time after I got done 
with what I, what, what I conclude in Romans chapter 14. But I'm going to tell you that when a famine hits, how do we know that? Is it, is it temporary or is it permanent? Are you just sojourning? Because many times when people just sojourn for a quick, they always go to Moab. When God sends the trips, I don't have time to go into it. I may go into it next week. But how many trips did they take before they moved? This is not a quick process. I'm here today, gone tomorrow. God doesn't move that way except in the rapture. Okay? But here, God wants to make sure. But now we come to this thought. Is God just putting you through a famine because he wants to show himself mighty to you? You see, Elimelech, verse number 6, Naomi said this, Hey, have you heard how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread? I don't know how fast news traveled. I know that Rahab uh, there in, in, in Jericho, uh, when they took the, when they took the uh, land, uh, that very same river right there where Jericho is, when they crossed over and the spies went in, Rahab said this, we've been hearing how you've been whooping up on everybody, <laughs> and we've heard about y'all, and I'm telling you. So I don't know how, how long it took, and I don't know how long the Lord had visited, but this is the wonderful thing. There are some times that I'll be in prayer with members, and we'll just be in prayer, and, and what do we need to do, and how do you think this needs to go? And then I remember one particular situation to where we're praying, and, uh, and, and back when I sat on the platform with guest speakers, I was sitting, oh, I was in this chair over here. I was sitting right here, and, and, and we had a guest preacher, and he was preaching away, and he said something that I looked to the balcony to my left, and the family I was praying with about leaving, and right over there... He had this look on his face because he said something that mirrored what we were praying about. And all of a sudden, he came down the altar. I met him down here. And he said, Pastor, the Lord just visited me, and I'm going to be okay. There are some times that we pull the trigger too quick, and we don't go to prayer to say, God, would you show up in my life with bread? Would you show up to where I'm at? Because when we live with temporary, go, the quick moves always end up in Moab. The, 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 the spiritual journey, this is why I lean not into thy own understanding, and this is why God gives us spiritual leaders. And, and I'm not saying I'm the end all, but I am saying this, I want to be your prayer partner. And there are pastors all over, let me pray with you about this. But then we must understand this, go to Ruth chapter 1 and back up to verse number 3. Because I, I, I need to bring it to, to an end. In Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 3. The, I, I ask you to take note and look at verse 3. So they moved to Moab and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was what? Left. So my question would be this. If I make the move and all of a sudden Bob Gray II dies, am I okay with leaving my family where I moved them to. If I die, am I okay with leaving my family? I had Kelly with me last year and I was preaching out of town and we were preaching in a church and, and uh, she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, um, hey babe, if something does happen to me and I die, would you stay at Emmanuel? She looked at me and she said, absolutely, because there, those are my people. 
they'll love me. They'll take care of me. You see, when we make a move, it's more than just, I'm going to move. It is this. If something happened to the husband and they're left. Think about this. Elimelech, Elimelech moved. And I've got two minutes on the clock. Elimelech moved. And I know I got to quit because Miss Connie's sitting right there. <laughs> Elimelech moved. And then all of a sudden, Elimelech's gone. Well, well, mama will be okay because she's got the two boys. Would you please look with me in, in verse number five? And Malon Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left. Oh, no. All of the sudden, this woman is in Moab with no husband, no sons. But even when the husband died, Look at what happened to the two boys. The two boys, they got married to do Moabitess women. Now, I know God works it all out because at the end of the book of Ruth, we're going to look at it. That, that in fact, if you would, just let's go to the very end and um, look at the very end. Look at, look at, look at how the outcome of, of the wonderfulness of this and so, such a picture of salvation. Look, chapter, Ruth 4.22. And Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. But back up to verse 21. You remember Boaz? Boaz begot Obed. So all of a sudden, God worked it all out. I'm just coming to tell you this. I don't know what's going on in all of your lives, and those watching right now, I don't know what's going on in the life, but I will tell you this, that when all of a sudden there is a famine, and there is every time you open your mouth, you're spitting dust, and you're like, I, I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm telling you that Biblically, there were two famines, and these two famines with these two families, they did it two different ways. And the leader of that family directed traffic back in the famine. Just suffice it to say this, that you're, you're going to need discernment on the long-term effects on the family. Because in the process, in, in Ruth chapter 1, if you look at verse number 20, and she said unto them, what well, they said in verse number 19, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me, what please, Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I, I went, look at the next First phrase, I went out full. <laughs> you know what Naomi said? No matter how rough it was in Bethlehem, Judah, I was full. I had my family. I had my kinfolk. I was full. I, too, have been through famines before. I, I too, have, have stood here in Longview, Texas and thought to myself, but, but every time I come back down to it and I'll, I'll just start going to those people in my life that I, I go to prayer with, I, I just, I got to come see you. I, I disappear. I got to go. I gotta, we got to sit down. We got to talk. And I'm telling you this, that when God decides to move somebody, 
He will not put them someplace that there's already not a built-in land of Goshen. He just doesn't do it. And when God moves somebody, he will not strip them of their family. And if they're left, they'll be okay. But sometimes it is a spiritual adjustment that's needed in a famine, not a geographical move that's needed in a famine. That's why we hold revivals. That's why we hold camps. That's why we hold conferences. That's why we hold teen conventions. Why? Because I'm praying that the Lord visits with bread. I'm hoping that one day, somewhere along the line, that the Lord ushers down to your usher and he, and, he, and he hands you a loaf of bread and you can sit there and there, there it is, sweetheart. There it is. I am so glad. As a pastor, I talk to a lot of people who make moves only to say, that was the worst move ever. I don't know what's going on in your heart, and I don't know why the Lord's laid this on my heart to teach this series, but the next five weeks as we dig into this book, we've not even made it past chapter one, but there's like five and six different subjects that are not even related to the famine, but they are related to life situations that we get ourselves in. This week is dealing with the famine the next week is dealing with return. Not a geographical return, but how do you deal with time trying to return to a former life that you kind of backed up on God? If, if your spiritual life right now is not as exciting as what it used to be, how do you get back to that? Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.